Tēnā koea, nao mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and you're listening to Animal Matters. Two years on from a power outage that led to the deaths of almost 200,000 chickens and we finally have some answers. But despite answers, we still have no accountability. And the Animal Welfare Amendment Bill that will prohibit live exports by sea is moving through a parliamentary select committee and there are signs that the live export industry will fight tooth and nail before the bill becomes law. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals. We release new episodes every week, so make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animal matters. It's been over two years since a power outage resulted in the deaths of almost 180,000 chickens in the middle of the night. No one has been held accountable. But finally, we have some answers on exactly what happened. In November 2019, multiple power outages and failures of backup systems resulted in a power cut to a number of sheds at a West Auckland chicken farm. The birds were being raised for their meat. With no power, the ventilation systems failed, and excessive heat led to the deaths of those birds caused by hypothermia. Marcelo Rodriguez Ferrer, an academic and animal law expert at the University of Otago, described it at the time as the biggest mass death in New Zealand history. It took over 14 months for the Ministry for Primary Industries to investigate. Thanks to an Official Information Act request, last week the New Zealand Herald reported that they had obtained the results of that investigation. The investigation found that the power failure also resulted in a failure of the alarm system, which meant the farm manager was unaware of the issue until it was too late. Email correspondence showed that the farm manager had not been advised by the security company who installed the alarm system that he needed an uninterrupted power supply in order for a notification to be sent to his phone after the power loss. So how did any of this all happen? The investigation found that there was a power cut at the farm sheds. The farm manager was woken by the alarm app on his phone and a text message from the monitoring company. This was the first power cut and in this instance the generator started correctly and the mains power was restored to the shed shortly after. The farm manager went to the sheds and checked that the power had been successfully restored. And then about an hour later, there was a second power cut at the sheds. This time, however, the generator did not start due to a fault with the relay switch and there was no power to the sheds. Crucially though, the alarm that notified the fire manager of the first power outage was sent via the internet. That means they need a router on site to connect to the internet, which requires power. Therefore, a failure of both the mains power and the backup generator means no alarm can be sent to the farm manager. So for an alarm to be sent, the router needs an uninterrupted power supply, commonly referred to as a UPS. The New Zealand Herald said email correspondence between the security company and the farm manager made no mention that a UPS would be required in the event of both a mains power and generator failure. The system was installed in 2013 and 2014, specifically to notify the farm manager of a power failure. Furthermore, 
MPI conducted an animal welfare audit at the farm only two months before the deaths. They found no problems with the generators or the alarm systems. But turning off both the mains power and the generator together wasn't covered in the audit, so a complete power failure wasn't tested. So why didn't MPI prosecute? Back in July this year, the New Zealand Herald reported that the Ministry for Primary Industries took advice from a Crown solicitor who recommended that they don't prosecute. And last week, MPI gave further context, telling the Herald that the recommendation not to charge the farm manager was because he had a reasonable defence. MPI Director of Compliance Gary Orr said the farm manager took all reasonable steps to ensure animal welfare and safety by relying on experts to make sure his systems were capable of alerting him to any faults. In short, the security company didn't recommend an uninterrupted power supply for the alarm system. Therefore, the farm manager is not at fault. And that's it. The case is closed, which is a tough pill to swallow. Remember, MPI conducted an animal welfare audit not long before the disaster. Either MPI's audit was conducted poorly, or our animal welfare system needs an overhaul. Backup systems rely on redundancy. They have to account for multiple points of failure. Sure, the farm had a backup generator, but what if the generator fails? That's exactly what happened, and the failure of the generator means no power, which means... No internet. Even the most novice internet user knows that a power cut at home means no Wi-Fi. And MPI have said that a power failure of both the mains power and the generator were not tested during the audit. It's hard to comprehend that no one has been held accountable for the loss of nearly 200,000 lives. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with MPI. And they have a duty to closely monitor the welfare of animals on farms. And in November 2019, they failed. The Animal Welfare Amendment Bill is currently making its way through the Primary Production Select Committee at Parliament. This is the bill that when passed into law will prohibit the export of cows, deer, sheep and goats by sea on the 30th of April 2023. April 2023 will be two years since the announcement that live exports by sea will be banned, giving the industry a two-year phase-down period. Two years is far too long, but otherwise, this bill is a tremendous victory. But it's not over yet, and it looks like there will be a bitter fight over this bill. Last week, the select committee heard public submissions on the bill. SAFE CEO Deborah Ashton spoke at the hearing on Thursday. I am pleased to be able to speak in support of the amendment, which would put an end to the live export of animals by sea, namely cattle, deer, sheep and goats. SAFE is opposed to all live animal export, and while this amendment is limited to these particular animals, I would like to acknowledge the majority of animals that are also exported and excluded from this bill due to the fact that they are transported by air. These animals include the millions of day-old baby chicks and aquatic animals such as eels and crayfish who are not even counted as individuals, but merely weighted, weighed in bulk. While I could go on about the risk of transportation by sea and the fact that seven livestock vessels have been lost at sea since 2009, the fact is that even if animals were being sent on, on something akin to a five-star cruise liner, these animals are not going to a five-star hotel. 
in fact, I would um, beg to differ with uh, some of the comments I've heard this morning um, and believe it is far from it. Instead, these animals are going to countries that we do know have far lower animal welfare standards than our own, such as China. Now, this means that they're likely to be raised in conditions that would be seen as illegal in New Zealand. And while we like to talk about our own high animal welfare standards in this country, this is an issue that is consistently ignored by proponents of the live export trade and something exporters continue to take no responsibility for. And I think that's pretty shameful. Also at the hearing was David Heyman, the Managing Director of Genetic Development NZ. Instead of seeing the writing on the wall, Heyman is doubling down, telling the committee that the ban on live export should be delayed. Um, we contend that this bill <clears throat> needs further review and delay because of the decision to ban livestock exports by sea with a termination date April 30th, 2023, has been poorly advised and motivated by events and information that did not truly represent the New Zealand breeding stock export sector. The New Zealand trade is genuinely world-leading in welfare standards and results. But the advice provided to the Minister by NAWAC and the submissions by SPCA and other animal rights activists lacked objective data or assessment, mainly relying on perceptions and overseas reports that do not reflect New Zealand standards or results. SPCA Chief Scientific Officer Anya Dale also spoke at the submissions hearing and she was not impressed by David Heyman's comments. Uh, the SPCA supports Cabinet's ban on the export of cattle, sheep, deer and goats by sea by way of changes to the primary legislation. And we are very pleased that the government has listened to the experts, the science, as well as the general public. We strongly believe this decision is good for our animals, our people and our economy. The SPCA has advocated for a total ban on the live export of farmed animals for decades, along with every single evidence-based animal welfare organisation internationally also supporting a ban on the live export due to animal welfare concern. We note Dave Heyman just said that the SPCA's animal rights submission was based on perception and un unscientific principles. We take exception at this and it is completely inappropriate. I led a team of scientists, five of whom have PhDs in animal welfare science and two who have masters in animal welfare science. All of our submissions are based on um, the best animal welfare evidence to date. Further to the comments made by David Heyman, the live export industry is mobilising to fight tooth and nail over this bill. The Animal Genetics Trade Association, a lobby group representing the interests of the live export industry, has launched a website called Live Export New Zealand. The website attempts to address the many animal welfare concerns that animal advocates like SAFE and the SPCA have raised, and to try and convince the public that exporting livestock is important to New Zealand. The website also encourages the public to make a submission against the bill and facilitates the process to do that. It's not all that surprising that the industry refuses to go quietly into the night. And considering the Animal Welfare Amendments Bill is a government bill, it's unlikely to be thrown out. The mission for those of us that know that live export is bad news is to make sure that the bill's intent isn't watered down during the select committee process. The animal rescue and advocacy charity Hoo-Ha are making an incredibly brave stand to protect 24 puppies currently in their care. The New Zealand police have told Hoo-Ha to give the puppies back to an alleged puppy mill, but the charity has refused. 
Hoo-ha alleges that they collected puppies from someone who took them from a puppy mill, where they were living in cages and a barn, and were suffering from chronic health conditions which required treatment. So far, Hoo-ha have spent nearly $25,000 on treating the puppies. Hoo-ha Chief Executive Carolyn Press McKenzie has so far refused to give them back, as she's concerned about the animals' welfare if they were returned. And how did Hoo-ha end up with these dogs, Carolyn? Because it's been uh, described as them being stolen from this place. But how did you guys end up with them? Well, we got a, we were travelling back from Christchurch with some cows that we were rehoming, and we were on Picton Ferry when we got a phone call um, asking if we'd meet someone who had 25 puppy milled dogs that needed to, to go somewhere. So we kept drive, we dropped the cows off and kept driving to Hunterville and actually met her in a park on the side of the road. Uh, we didn't ask any questions. Um, sometimes it's better just not to know, but we did suspect they were stolen. Um, when we got back to Hoo-ha, we had our vet team waiting. We processed all of the dogs. Um, there were some pretty sort of serious situations in front of us. Some of these dogs needed urgent help. So we rang the police and let them know that we suspected we had stolen dogs and we rang the SPCA, told them that we suspected we had dogs that had huge welfare issues. So we we feel like um, although we'd taken them and we probably shouldn't have received them, we did it in plain sight and we were very transparent and open with all the authorities so that we could get direction and be told what to do. The police and the SPCA have been amazing for the last 10 weeks. They have, the police have put off allowing us to, t- uh, making us take them back for 10 weeks, which is pretty, pretty good effort. Um, SPCA has worked tirelessly. A lot of people jump in and just complain about um, them not trying, but they have been trying. Um, just last night I got a text from them saying, we're trying to, we're trying to get permission for you to dissect them if they do have to go back before they go back. But um, they're just not getting anywhere with this particular person. And because these dogs are stolen, they don't feel they can step in and protect these dogs. But there are other dogs at the farm that they are currently protecting. Speaking to Stuff, she said that her team was planning to peacefully resist, despite being warned that they may be arrested and charged for obstructing police. She said that they couldn't, in good conscience, hand over the puppies, knowing that they're going back to a situation of suffering and poor welfare. It's a courageous position for Hoo-Ha to take. Facing down the police like that, knowing full well it could lead to arrest and prosecution, is incredibly brave. The story isn't over yet, and we'll keep you informed of any updates on Animal Matters. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. We'll be taking a break over the next few weeks, so we wish you a very happy and safe holiday season. We'll see you again in 2022. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, Aotearoa's leading animal rights organisation, and produced by myself, Will Appleby. And make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters when we're back in the new year. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, Matewa.